0: Where do you think the crime is headed in the city of Oakland? People are fearful that bullets could actually fly in their home. And so it really has become something that people are even adjusting to.
1: Some people said that they, to get a hold of 911, it might take a few days or yeah. they have to call back.
0: So when you think about a city that's growing, but a police department that's shrinking, It is a recipe for disaster. We don't want to live in a society where everybody needs to be armed. The image of this city has to change. The city has been a part of my life. Oakland built me such a beautiful city. There's so many areas in that city to be proud of, but all people know about this city is violent crime.
1: My guest today is Laurent Armstrong, former police chief who served for Oakland Police Department for over 25 years. Today, he's going to explain to us how it's so difficult for the police to operate because of all the rules and regulations that they are facing by the city policies. The situation in Oakland is so dire that the governor is sending 120 CHP officers to Oakland to help with safety.
0: Policing in Oakland is a high risk business. These officers are being asked to do a lot, but they also have a lot of policies to follow.
1: Do you think criminals are finding out these policies that the police has? For sure. They actually tell police officers, you can't do that. Hopefully criminals are not watching this. I'm Korami. welcome to California Insider. Laurent, it's great to have you on, welcome. Thank you for having me. We want to talk to you about a topic that's big of our interest is Oakland and what's happening there in terms of safety. It used to be the former chief police. Can you tell us what's happening in the city of Oakland?
0: Well, Oakland is going through some challenging times right now. Obviously, crime has increased, uh, particularly auto burglaries and robberies and property crimes and commercial burglaries. It's impacting the entire city and the community and bringing along with it a lot of fear. Um, And so, so many community members have been victims of these car burglaries. So many visitors to Oakland have been victims of car burglaries and so many people have been victims of robberies. So, it really is a difficult time in the city of Oakland when it comes to public safety.
1: And we are seeing people, you know, one of some of the things I've seen on, on video, which is kind of shocking to see in California, is there was a few cases I've seen where people come with guns and rob somebody in the middle of the day. Yeah.
0: These are things that we hadn't seen for many years. Uh, I believe that Oakland was on the brink of becoming a much safer city. But unfortunately, we're beginning to see armed suspects commit what we consider to be low-level crimes. typically people who engaged in burglaries didn't carry firearms and wouldn't use those firearms. But we've seen, during several incidents where people who have been committing burglaries when confronted have brandished a firearm and in some cases, unfortunately, have used those firearms and we've had a couple deaths associated with these burglaries. And so it really has become a violent crime, uh, a crime that is associated with gun violence. And why is that? How, How did it become this way? It starts with accountability, I think when people perceive that they won't be held accountable or won't face stiff consequences for engaging in these type of crimes, then they become more brazen and more willing to commit these crimes on a daily basis. And, and so it really is a call to our elected officials, to those that make those decisions around uh, accountability to make sure that those uh, individuals that engage in these type of crimes understand how serious they are, and that there'll be serious consequences as a result of those crimes.
1: You mentioned that people are
0: are are scared yeah. in the community. What does it look like? Well, it looks like uh, people not willing to go outside at night. I know so many seniors in our community who have seen me and said, uh, Chief, I don't come out at night because I'm afraid. I'm afraid to drive in the city at night. I'm afraid to shop at night. I'm afraid to park my car in certain areas because I know that my car is going to be burglarized. Uh, People are leaving their entire car with all windows down because they've been burglarized so many times that they don't want to replace windows anymore, so they just leave them all down and remove everything of value from their cars. And so it really has become something that uh, people are even adjusting to, uh, the lack of safety. And so that really is concerning.
1: What about in their own homes? Uh, We heard from some residents that there is a lot of shootings at night.
0: Yeah, I mean, we definitely have seen an increase in gun violence. I mean, the idea that people are hearing gunshots around the clock in our city. We obviously have had challenges with homicides in our city. Uh, And so that reaps fear in people. People are fearful uh, that bullets could actually fly in their homes. And me, as somebody that's born and raised in Oakland and has had family members, that have been killed by stray bullets. I know how serious these things can be. I know that bullets don't have a name, and sometimes, unfortunately, on the other side of those bullets can be innocent people. When we
1: talk to residents and people, uh, a big complaint is that the police force, yeah. you know, when they call 911, they hear a busy signal, yeah. and some people said that they, to get a hold of 911, it might take a few days, or yeah. they have to call back. And, What's happening with the police force in Oakland?
0: Well, it's always been a challenge when it came to staffing of the police department in the city of Oakland. When you look at this city, 10 years ago, this city was near 400,000 and the department had about 750 officers. Now the city is closer to 450,000 and has less than 750 officers. And so when you think about a city that's growing, but a police department that's shrinking, It is a recipe for disaster because there's not enough officers to respond to the number of calls that are coming in every day. There's not enough dispatchers in our emergency center to be able to answer the calls that are coming in. And so those present tremendous challenges for not only the police department, but for community members who are actually calling because they have an emergency, but they're not finding anybody on the other line. Or when they do get due to a dispatcher, there's no officer to respond in a timely manner. There are people in our community that oftentimes wait days for a police officer to respond to a call, and that's unacceptable.
1: Some people have told us that in Oakland, uh, the police officers, it's better for them not to engage because it's the, there's so many rules on them that it's, to not engage is a better choice than engage because they can get in a lot of trouble. Yeah. If, they, if They're kind of walking on eggshells.
0: Yeah, policing in Oakland is a high-risk business these officers are being asked to do a lot in a city where they have a lot of crime to address but they also have a lot of policies to follow and some officers may take the approach to do less so that they don't put themselves personally in harm's way of being disciplined or even potentially being fired that is the difficulty of being a police officer in oakland is that these rules that they have to police under uh, the public perception uh, that they live under every day, the scrutiny that uh, certain community groups tend to uh, you know, push out uh, related to police response to anything uh, is challenging. I think no one, no matter if you're a police officer or a normal citizen, wants to be uh, criticized. Unfortunately, in Oakland, these officers take a lot of criticism, even sometimes when they're doing what they're told to do or doing what they're asked to do. So it is a you know, a real challenging job. Uh, we try to do as much training as we can and try to be innovative uh, in our approaches to addressing crime, but it really is challenging when you have really strict policies that if officers go outside of those policies, they will be disciplined as a result of that. And they live with that fear every day as they go out there and do their jobs.
1: Laurent, can you give us some examples for average people for us to understand yeah. what does it look like out there for you guys?
0: Well, it looks like, uh, you know, officers, you know, that respond to a call of a burglary. And uh, policy says that they can't pursue uh, a burglar. And so an officer can actually drive up on someone burglarizing a car. The individual can get into a vehicle and take off, and the officer cannot pursue that person. Uh, the officer has to let that person go.
1: And the officer cannot pursue somebody that just stole a car?
0: Cannot pursue that car. So what's the point of the officer going there, even if they... The officer's intent is to actually apprehend the person, but once that person gets in the car and become mobile, then the policy kicks in, and the policy is very clear about what cars officers can pursue. It has to be a violent felony. A stolen car is not a violent felony. A burglary uh, committed is not a violent felony, so then Oakland police officers cannot pursue that car. But how does that look to the public? If you're the person whose car was just stolen and you're standing there watching your car drive off and watching a police officer that cannot pursue that car, that definitely has an impact on that community member who now believes that the police didn't do anything. And that's the story that they tell. Unfortunately, it's not the officer's fault, it's the policy that prohibits the officer from pursuing that car that stops him from pursuing it. And so it's things like that that contribute to public trust that people lose confidence in your ability to address crime, not because you can't, but because policies don't allow you to. And you guys have the highest uh, burger, car burgers, right?
1: 50%. It it actually has gone up over 50% compared to last year, right? Do you think criminals are finding out these policies that the police has?
0: For sure. I think sometimes people who make policy don't often understand that criminals do actually pay attention to the officer's actions that they pay attention to policy updates. When they hear through the media or through uh, community meetings or they hear through someone else that there's a policy that says that police officers can't do something, they pay attention to those things. They actually tell police officers, you can't do that. And so they understand these things and they take advantage of these things. I think that people sometimes forget that there are people in our society, whether we wanna recognize it or not, that are career criminals people who are hell-bent on committing crime. And those people understand how they're going to be able to get away with that crime. And it's police officer's job to try to figure out how you can apprehend it. But it becomes really challenging for police officers when people know what the police can't do. And when they exercise those things about policy by making complaints about an officer's action, that definitely has an impact on the officer.
1: Is there any other ones that we should know about?
0: (laughs) (laughs) There are hundreds. of of policies that that come to mind about things that officers have to do. For instance, in Oakland, if a community member wants to file a complaint, uh, the department has to respond and take that complaint within 30 minutes. An officer has to be there in person to actually take that complaint, that physical complaint from that complainant. But if you called because you had just gotten robbed, sometimes you can wait 4 to 6 to even 24 hours to get an officer to respond so while a community member who wants to just complain because the officer might have had a a minor uh, miscommunication or any minor mistake gets a response in 30 minutes uh, but a but a community member who potentially has just been robbed violently can wait up to 24 hours to get a response from an officer and it just goes to show you that Public safety shifts in certain ways that we are so concerned about the accountability for police officers that we actually put that in front of the needs of community when they have been victimized in the worst way.
1: So there is no rules around getting back to the 911 calls or the incident, but there's rules on the accountability side of it. So like you have to get back within 30 minutes to a complaint, but if somebody's getting robbed, you don't have any timeline.
0: Yes. That's the difficulty of what community members in Oakland deal with, and that is sometimes the challenges that they face, uh, that officers have to follow policy, and policy requires that response to an administrative complaint, uh, but does not require a response for a serious violent crime? The city of Oakland invested in body-worn cameras for every police officer uh, back in 2014, one of the first police departments in the country to equip every officer with these cameras. And oftentimes, people are making complaints about the officer's actions. And we have to come out and actually take those complaints. But oftentimes, community members don't know that that entire incident was recorded. And several of our complaints are oftentimes closed because they're frivolous because we have recording of the entire interaction. But it requires an enormous investment in time by the police department to actually still conduct an investigation. So even though uh, we have these recordings that show that the officer didn't engage in any misconduct, the you officers- have to still investigate. We have to still conduct a full investigation, which requires, uh, you know, could be 30 to 40 hours of man hours to actually do the investigation. When we have a recording uh, that demonstrates that the officer didn't do anything.
1: Meanwhile, the 911 calls are getting unanswered yeah. and there's not enough people.
0: Exactly. Meanwhile, officers are not responding to crime. Uh, and so it's just those challenges those things sometimes don't make sense to officers right? Just common sense to to officers. Why are we conducting a full investigation when we have a recording that basically shows that the officer didn't do anything didn't violate uh policy at all, but the rules require uh, a full investigation if someone makes a complaint and they want it investigated? Uh, we have to conduct that investigation uh, you know these are things that you know, you think of in most businesses, it wouldn't be efficient, wouldn't be a good use of resources and it would be a cost associated with, uh, you know, this type of investigation. But in this case, you know, rules require us to continue to investigate a case that we already know the officer didn't do anything. And so we have hundreds of those type of cases a year. Uh, And it requires a ton of man hours, hours that could go to officers doing something else that could be more productive, that could have a greater impact on community safety.
1: And if somebody accuses without any evidence and then the evidence turns out to be the opposite, there's no consequences for them, is there?
0: No, there's no consequences for people lying or falsifying a complaint. People can say anything they want to say and their complaint has to be taken seriously and has to be investigated. Um, And so that's the difficulty. And that often has an impact on officers because complaints impact an officer's career whether they are, have the opportunity to promote or have an opportunity to go into a premier assignment, those complaints are weighed into decision making of whether they get either one of those things. And so officers you know, are frustrated when they get these frivolous complaints and oftentimes it takes several weeks and sometimes months for these investigations to be completed. Meanwhile, these officers' opportunities for promotion or other assignments uh, are taken away and given to someone else. So it really is a challenge of how do you fix this problem? Because I think one of the things that people don't see is that morale matters in any organization. You know, Thriving organizations have people who are happy and enjoy being at work every day. And we don't spend a lot of time invested in our people uh, to ensure uh, that they go out there every day happy and willing to do their jobs in the right way. And so oftentimes even as chief, as a leader, You know, I'd spend a lot of time trying to encourage officers, to reassure officers that we're going to do our best to actually expedite these investigations or try to make sure that those investigations that we can close immediately, we do, because we have to do our best to keep the morale up. You got a small police department that's being asked to do an enormous job, and so the leader of the organization has to be able to continue to keep people motivated to work hard, because that's the only way you're gonna address crime but policies like this undermine that sometimes.
1: Folks, you've probably been hearing me talk about Virefi for a while now. Virefi has been getting a ton of phone calls from you and I thank you for supporting an investment that actually helps people. A lot of people are talking about this investment and I like to review the basics with you. First off, yes, it's true. You can earn up to 10.25% fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or to the Fed. You can turn your income on or off, compounded, whatever you choose, and there are absolutely no fees. There are no restrictions on your principal if you ever need your money back, and you'll get your monthly statement with no surprises. If you are not sure if you can trust this economy, this secure collateralized portfolio may be a very good option for you. Just go to investwirefi.com. That's invest the letter Y, then refi.com. Folks, I take my endorsements very seriously. If you're looking for a solid investment that helps people, contact my friends at Y Refi and then tell them Siamakorami sent you. Now let's go back to the interview. Now, did these policies get in place because Oakland did have a bad reputation, yeah. the police department, and when you, it was around when you joined, there, there was yeah. some whistleblowers that came out. Can you tell us what happened?
0: Yeah, in 2002, the city of Oakland uh, faced a lawsuit uh, known as the Riders case, where uh, several officers were engaged in misconduct. Uh, they were unlawful arrests, the planting of evidence falsifying of reports, a lineage of complaints about the actions of those officers led to what we call a negotiated settlement agreement where the plaintiffs uh, in the city of Oakland came to an agreement that the police department would go under federal oversight and it would complete 52 tasks in order uh, to be released from federal oversight. And now we're in the 21st year of that settlement agreement, which was initially only supposed to last five years but now it's in year 21 to actually achieve compliance with those 52 tasks. Um, it is overseen by uh, a federal compliance director and a federal monitor, which are two, in, were one and the same. Um, and the department gets a quarterly report on its work towards the, the compliance effort. And unfortunately, we fell short for the last 21 years when it comes to full compliance. Is it difficult to do it? It is very difficult. It's challenging. I was the first chief in the history of of this 21-year-old federal oversight to get the department into what we call sustainability, and that is the final phase. Uh, You have to be in sustainability for one year prior to being released from federal oversight, and during my administration in 2021, we actually got sustainability, which was good. They remain in sustainability today as well. So will they get out of this federal oversight soon? That is the hope, but oftentimes challenges come up that oftentimes pre- prevent them from actually completing the 52 tasks and we'll see. Hopefully nothing additional comes up that prevents them from fulfilling their requirements and hopefully they're released from federal oversight because it not only has an impact on the department um, and its ability to, to, to achieve Sort of high levels of trust in the community because as long as you're under federal oversight, it lends the perception to the public that you're not, uh, you haven't been compliant, that there's still challenges there and there's still things that you need to do. So I hope for the department it gets under uh, full compliance, but also for the community. Uh, it has a huge cost to the public, uh, that it costs nearly a million dollars a year to actually pay for that federal oversight. And we hope that uh, in a city that's dealing with budget deficits and a need for funding, that that would be additional million dollars that could go to resources in the city of Oakland. And so I think on both sides, there's a reason to work towards full compliance, but we'll have to see what the federal monitor decides at some point.
1: So there's these rules put in place because there was the background in the history of some police officers not doing, doing bad things,
0: mm-hmm. right? What is it like today? Well, I believe today, you know, there are young police officers there that are doing the job the right way. Seventy-five percent of the police department are officers that have been with the department less than 10 years. So this is an entirely different department made up of different men and women, trained differently uh, with a different focus, and with all of the new policies that have been put in place, I believe they police in the right way. I believe that they're one of the most progressive police departments in the country. The policies that they work under are very restrictive, but they are designed to ensure that officers are following rules. They are designed to make sure that the public is safe and that they are designed to make sure that there are accountability tools in place. And I think all of those things have become a part of the culture and the foundation of the department. And this is all these young police officers know. And so yes, I believe that it's a completely different police department than it was when I came under it in the the late 90s. I think these young officers are being trained really well. I think the policies are strong. I believe that the data supports the fact that they're better. Uh, The idea that in 2000, from 2002 to 2012, The city of Oakland spent nearly $57 million in federal lawsuits paid out because of the Oakland Police Department. In the last 10 years, the subsequent 10 years, they spent less than $7 million. So you're talking about a drastically different expenditure on behalf of the city, which to me signals that the department is doing better, that it is not violating people's rights in the way in which it was in the early 2000s.
1: Going back to Oakland, the situation that mm-hmm. the city is facing, so you, you see the crime is going yeah. up, and then the police, you mentioned the certain rules that they have, um, mm-hmm. if there's a hundred of those, yeah. the, the two that you mentioned to me didn't make common sense. <laughs> so what do you see, where do you think the crime is headed in, in, this, in the city of Oakland?
0: We need legislators to not make laws that make it even more challenging for police to take action on individuals. Uh, I've never been a fan of over-incarcerating people, but but I am a fan of protecting communities. And the sad part about it, particularly in Oakland, people of color suffer the most when it comes to violent crime and homicides in our city. And so we have to figure out how we as a community uh, say to those that are willing to pick up guns and use them, I hope you know that you're gonna be held accountable. I hope you know that there's going to be serious consequences because that's the only thing that prevents people from taking certain action is that they know that there's going to be accountability as a result Uh, you know i often use an example about why people stop at red lights right Uh, people stop at red lights because they fear the fact that there may be a police officer that sees them uh, not stop at that red light and there could be an expensive ticket They also fear the fact that there may be a speeding car coming in any other direction that might hit them and cause them some serious injury. That's why you don't do it. That's why you stop at the red light. Now, that doesn't mean that you're not in a rush. That doesn't mean that you don't still need to get somewhere, but you understand why it's important that you stop at that red light. We have to have the same standards when it comes to picking up guns and using them in our community. When you think about picking it up, you have to know that there's gonna be serious consequences more severe than what you would get out of red light. But you also have to understand the impact that you could have on a surrounding community. The idea that when you run a red light that you could potentially hit and kill someone else, right? That the idea that you fire a weapon, that you could kill someone else and have an impact to their families as well. We have to become a community that cares about one another and is compassionate for the families that are gonna be impacted by our decision-making. And we hope that, I hope that resonates with people the idea that we all should have compassion for those that are suffering, suffering as a result of losing loved ones. Now, we are hearing that people,
1: and this is what you're talking about, about guns, we are hearing that the criminals are armed and they've got got illegal guns, whatever they got, Mm -hmm. and then the business owners are arming up because they want to protect themselves. Is this true? Are you hearing this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think so many businesses have suffered in the city of Oakland. We have. You know, businesses that have been burglarized repeatedly. You know, I was reading last week about a business who was burglarized at one point in the middle of the night. They came and locked up their business, and then several hours later they were burglarized again in the same night, in the same 24-hour period. That's challenging for any business to survive when their business is experiencing that level of criminality. I'm sure it's challenging for business owners to understand how am I going to protect my business. Now, we don't advocate for people To go to firearms but i understand people have a right to be armed people have a right to purchase firearms legally but it definitely presents a challenge for both law enforcement and community you know we don't want to live in a society where everybody needs to be armed i think the best approach to it is you know making sure that the gun laws that we have on the books are enforced i mean california has some of the most strict gun laws in the country Uh, The question is, are we actually enforcing those gun laws? It's clear that people are not caring, uh, that people don't fear accountability in the city. They don't believe that they're gonna be arrested, and they don't believe they're gonna be held accountable. And that narrative has to change. And that means that somebody has to be in place that is willing to make an example out of people, to make an example out of those that carry illegally carry firearms, to make sure that those that use those firearms in crimes are charged to the highest degree, whatever enhancement that exists, so that the next person can see you are going to be held accountable if you do the same thing. We have to take action. So
1: if right now somebody goes with, uh, and hopefully criminals are not watching this, <laughs> uh, if right now somebody goes and does a robbery yes. with a gun, what, what is the punishment for them?
0: Well, it depends on what they're charged with. I think our hope is that in Oakland, where we know this is a problem that's impacting our community, that you would face serious charges. You know, uh, criminals know what communities they can expect to receive the least amount of charges or consequences, if you would. So uh, they go
1: there. So they using go there. Rules.
0: Yes, let's go to this city where they are lenient in this community, right? We don't want to go to Santa Clara County where they're very strict. Uh, we don't want to go to San Joaquin County, which is 30 to 45 minutes outside of Oakland, Alameda County, and commit crimes because we know that we're going to be held accountable. But, you know, let's not go to Solano County, which is another 30 minutes in the northern direction uh, to, to commit crime because we know that they're going to hold us accountable. Let's come to Oakland, Alameda County, where we believe we're going to get away with these things. And I think that's the reputation of our city and our community. And we have to change that reputation. Oakland is such a beautiful city. I mean, there's so many areas in that city to be proud of, things that we, uh, that as somebody growing up in this city that I, you know, that I love about this city, whether we're talking about Grizzly Peak or we're talking about the lake, but all people know about this city is violent crime. The image of this city has to change, and it starts with making the city safer where people can actually experience the great places that exist in this city.
1: How does all this make you feel? You are the chief police, yeah. and this is your city, and you can kind of see the crime, what's happening.
0: It, it, it makes me feel. I feel bad. I feel bad for my my children who who grow up in this city and you know don't have the opportunity to feel proud of this city because of its reputation. Uh, you know, it makes me feel bad for all of our young people who are growing up in this city uh, and are you know made to believe that this city is violent and they need to get away from this city and for all the people who have been there so long that feel like oakland is not a place where they feel comfortable anymore um, and they move out to other communities i feel bad because you know one thing about oakland is that for those that have grown up there or those that have lived there they all will tell you that you find uh, this city to be something that just becomes a part of you and you really love this place that you grew up the weather's beautiful, the community, the people in this city are wonderful people. The arts in the city are, are great. Uh, the creativity in this city is awesome. And so uh, you just you know, hope that at some point you know, the, uh, the best of this city shines, that people get a chance to experience and see the best. I think it's a place where everybody should come visit because I guarantee you, you'll see something in Oakland that you won't see anywhere else but we have to overcome the challenge that prevents people from coming, which is the violent crime.
1: Now, Laurent, what do you think it will take? What needs to get done to turn things around in the city so that the kids that are from Oakland are proud of saying it?
0: So I think it starts with a vision for the city around safety, uh, the investment in public safety at the, with the police department and other non-police department resources, but you have to have a real investment in public safety that says that we're going to do something about it. It has to be a partnership between the district attorney's office and the city of Oakland that says that we are asking, no, we are demanding that people are held accountable in our city that people know that they can't come to our city and just commit crime without accountability. And then I think it's community coming together. Oakland is a city that is politicized. So many people from so many different sides that don't see eye to eye. But I think the one commonality that we have, we all wanna live in a place that's safe, uh, that allows us to all exercise those views in a safe environment. And that's what we don't have at this point. And so I hope that we can all come together and just unify behind public safety. Because I guarantee you, if the city becomes a place of safety where people feel safe and comfortable, we can get much more done. Uh, We can have those conversations about how we change our city to move into the future. We can talk about how our children can be better educated. We can talk about how our kids can enjoy the beauty of our city. But it's hard to have those conversations now because everything starts with safety.
1: Before we continue, we would like to thank Shen Yun for sponsoring this channel. I lived in China for two years and experienced two different Chinas. One is the China we know now, unfortunately with communism. And the other is ancient Chinese culture with 5,000 years of history, strong values, ethics and morality that has been lost. Shen Yun Performing Arts is reviving this 5,000 years of Chinese traditional culture. It takes you back in time to magical world of ancient China with a unique blend of brilliant dancing, beautiful costumes, and legends coming to life. Go to Shenyun.com to find out the schedule and theater information. It's a lifetime experience you don't want to miss. Book your tickets today. Now let's go back to the interview. What about the residents? You know, we have interviewed a number of residents from Oakland and people from Oakland, community leaders
0: what can they do there becomes a point when i hope that everyone gets fed up with what they're seeing and what they're experiencing and that they exercise their voices in many ways some might say exercising your voice means voting some might say exercising your voice might be reaching out to your council member or the mayor or just coming down to city hall at a meeting and exercising your voice and sharing with these leaders about what it is that they want in the city of Oakland. Because no matter where I go throughout the city, the first thing people come up to me and say is that, Chief, this city needs you. It needs you because we want to be safe. We know you care, and we know that you wanted Oakland to be safe as well. And I agree, I did. And every day I went to work with that in mind. How do I make Oakland safe? But I think there's more conversations to be had. That City leaders in this city have to be committed to safety, that the idea of putting the police department on the back burner or not giving it the resources it needs to be able to do the job we expect it to do. You can't expect the police department to be able to manage this level of crime with this low number of officers. It just doesn't add up. This police department is the same size or smaller than it was in the mid 1980s. Wow! And that really says the message of the lack of investment in the department. The city is growing, the revenue in the city's growing, but the police department isn't growing. And so there's no way, just numerically, that they can meet the needs of a city that's growing when it's shrinking. That's the challenge. And somebody has to have the courageous conversation with even those that are anti-police, to say, hey, we just don't have enough resources to actually respond to the number of calls that we're receiving every day. You can look at them. And we've tried other approaches in the city of Oakland and they haven't worked. Uh, The violence continues to go up. When are we gonna have a real conversation about what does it take to actually create safety in the city of Oakland? And sometimes people are going to have to deal with difficult discussions and difficult decisions. And hopefully there's leadership in place, both at the city level and at the police department level, where they can communicate openly with the community about what we're doing to actually move the city closer towards being that safe city we want it to be.
1: You mentioned two things. One of them, you mentioned that, we should, that people should have more compassion for each other yeah. and the community think of each other. And then you also mentioned that the city has become politicized. Yeah. Do you think these two forces are contradicting each other right now?
0: Those two forces I think oftentimes uh, shuts down the people that are in the middle. And I believe the vast majority of community members are right in the middle. That people don't want to have to have more police People don't want to have to spend more tax dollars for public safety. But then people also understand what they're experiencing every day and say, despite me not wanting to, it's what I need to do in order to actually make this city safer. And so I think uh, that's the question. Sometimes we oftentimes have to pay for things that we really don't want to. I sent my daughters to to private school. I, I didn't like what it cost. I just felt like I had to, you know, spend more money for them to get the best education. And so I decided I wanted them to have a quality education, the best education I could give them. So I had to invest. It was challenging for my wife and I to do that, but we invested in our children so that they could have the best. The question in Oakland is that it's a difficult pill to swallow sometimes when you look at how much it costs to police in the city. I get it, but also you have to understand what it is that you want. If you want the best police department, if you want the best outcomes around safety, you have to invest in law enforcement, unfortunately. And then you have to hold them accountable to actually making the city safe. And I think it's doable, but it's difficult. And that's a difficult conversation to have in Oakland because it's so politicized. And so many people have so many opinions about how you achieve safety. But the one thing I know is that when we at the Oakland Police Department has had resources to actually effectively police, we've done a pretty good job, I think. The, number, the higher numbers the police department has, the more effective they are at addressing crime.
1: Laurent, do you think it's possible for people in Oakland to, to fix the problems the city's facing? I do.
0: I believe that there are leaders in our city uh, that could come together and come up with solutions that could help make our city safe. I mean, Oakland is a diverse city with so many different communities. Uh, And that's the one thing that I'm proud of, the diversity that exists in the city. Whether you're in the Fruitvale area, which is our Latino district, or you're in the Chinatown district, which is where our Asian community exists, or whether you're in East Oakland, where African Americans and Latino communities are living together, it really demonstrates that we can work together. We can work together towards safety in our community. That makes me proud because no matter where I go in Oakland, I'm always accepted. No matter what community I'm surrounded with, they're always accepting of me and appreciate the job that I did. So it says to me that we can work together, but also I'm encouraged by the number of community-based organizations that we have in our city that so many people have committed to giving back to our community, to, do, to bring forward uh, businesses that could empower our community. So many community-based organizations that's bringing voices from our community uh, that otherwise probably wouldn't be heard. So there's so many advocates in our community that wanna see Oakland do well, that wanna see Oakland thrive. I've never questioned the idea that there are people in this city who truly care. You know, I often said when I was chief, you can love this city as much as me, but you can't love it more than me, right? Because that's who I am. It's the foundation of who I am. Oakland built me. The first job that I ever had at 12 years old was the mayor's summer job program. And then never thought that I would spend 25 years working for the city as well. And so the city has been a part of my life. And I know there's so many more people in our city that feel the same way, that the city is a part of their life. And they're doing so many positive things in our city. I think it just needs to be, there needs to be someone in the middle that is bringing us all together. Someone that we all trust, someone whether we agree with them or not, that we at least are open to hearing them out. And then we can all commit to coming up with solutions together. Uh, And when you do that, it requires compromise, that not everybody's gonna get what they want. But what we get is good outcomes for the city of Oakland. One that we agree with collectively, and one that we walk out with not criticizing each other, but talking about a path forward. And I think that hasn't happened. And that needs to happen in Oakland. Somebody that could bring everybody together and help us create a path that helps move us forward. I think that's what Oakland needs. And I think there are people who are willing to be a part of that conversation. And I think those people bring so much value. And so that is encouraging. That is the light for me, that it exists out there. And we have to figure out a way, how do we bring it together? And how do we come up with ideas that make our city better?
1: Hopefully that will happen soon. Laron Armstrong, former chief police of Oakland. It was great to have you on California Insider.
0: Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it.
1: If you haven't checked out CaliforniaInsider.com, we highly recommend you do that now because we're gonna have a lot of news and videos there. And on top of what we have there right now, we are building a really big platform to cover what's happening in California. So you can be informed. We're gonna have more shows, more videos from all aspects of life in California. Go to CaliforniaInsider.com